Well, what a treat we have for you on this episode of Locked On Bruins. It's a man who is currently on the Indiana Pacers. You remember him vividly as he ooed and odd in that one season in Westwood teamed up with Lonzo Ball. It is TJ Leaf, and he is joining us on this episode of the show. As we welcome you into the program, I'm Brian Fenley. I'm also a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio and a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y, F-E-N-L-E-Y. A lot of great Bruin content coming down through Twitter, so be sure to check out what I've got Bruin up there on the Twitter machine and how excited we are and thrilled to have TJ on the program where we'll ask him about how he's doing right now given the NBA and its stoppage because of coronavirus. Also, we have to ask him about his time in Westwood with UCLA, so we'll have some fun with that. So let's start this interview. TJ Leaf, a pride of Westwood, the great UCLA Bruin, joining us here on Locked on Bruins. And TJ, first of all, really appreciate your time. And look, I know these last couple weeks have been crazy, and the way coronavirus has forced the NBA to hit the pause button. What was it like for you that night? when the league had to undertake those drastic measures and postpone play. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a pretty um, interesting situation in that no one has really had to experience anything like this. So, I mean, I was that night, um, I was actually packing to go to Philly. We were heading to Philly the next day um, to play Philly. And, you know, all of a sudden we get a call and until further notice, no games, we're not allowed to go to the practice facility, anything, you know, you're watching the news and, Everything's, you know, escalating with the uh, the jazz um, and all that. So, I mean, it, it kind of happened really quickly um, in that, I mean, one day we're practicing, next day we're not even allowed in the facility. So it was a pretty um, it was a pretty crazy thing to, to you know, experience. But, I mean, we got to, you know, keep pushing forward, try, try and push through this. Absolutely. And as these players, like yourself, have been asked to kind of, by the NBA, to kind of stay at home as much as possible – What's a day in the life of TJ during this time? Are you able to get some shots up, stay in shape? Because I know for some guys it must be challenging. I even heard that Giannis Adenokupo did not even have a hoop at his home. So some guys are trying to find ways to, to stay in shape and, and get, get hoops up at their homes. How have you been able to do that? Exactly, man. I mean, I'm, most of the guys I've talked to, unless they have a home gym or, you know, a nice outdoor court, haven't really been able to get any shots up. I mean, most guys I've talked to have in-home gyms and whatnot and things like that. And I have a good amount of stuff at my house here where I can, you know, get the job done, definitely stay conditioned and whatnot. But, I mean, I haven't been able to get many shots up or anything, but I'm definitely staying, you know, in, in good physical shape, lifting a lot, running a lot, biking, you know, a lot of that. But I haven't been able to get that many shots up like I'm, I know a lot of other guys haven't as well. Yeah, you're certainly not the only one. TJ Leaf joining us here on Locked on Bruins. What a great one year he had in Westwood. And I'm certain, TJ, that this has been a time the last couple of weeks for some self-reflection and, and certainly how you want to continue to, to take on a bigger foothold in the rotation, be a better player, improved as you continue to mature and grow. How do you feel like you can do that and, and develop more? And I know you're you're a great guy in, in defending, and you want to obviously add more to that arsenal. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, it's all about, you know, getting, you know, good opportunities and taking advantage of it. And, you know, I felt like when I got some decent opportunities, I felt like I played well and, you know, showed showed a little bit of what I can do. Um, you know, I'm going to keep doing that until, you know, I get a, a, a real good opportunity to go out there and do what I can. And, and I know, you know, I'm a confident player. I know what I can do. 
Um, I watched I mean, a lot of basketball. Now I've been able to be in it for, um, I mean, I guess almost three years now, um, watching a lot of basketball. Um, and I'm pretty confident in what I can do and who I am as a as a player. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to keep keep grinding, man, behind the scenes. And then when I, you know, really get that legit shot, just try and really take advantage of it. TG, I'm sure that when you were readying for the NBA and going through that process, you had a lot of people tell you, hey, here's what to expect. This is what you need to do to prepare yourself the right way for getting in the league. But what have been some surprises or some things you were unprepared for that, yeah, a lot of a lot of young guys don't see happening or, or see occurring when they get to the league, but it's kind of part of the transition. I mean, that first year, everyone says, you know, the size, strength, speed. You know, everyone says it, saying it's one thing, but really getting in there and doing it is a completely different thing. Um, that's definitely a big adjustment the first couple months. It's The speed of the game is nuts. I mean, even with that 24-second shot clock, the speed of the guys, the bigger court, big, longer three-point line, um, defense of three seconds, everything just makes you move so much more, and the speed of the game is just accelerated a crazy amount. So that that's something that's huge. Um, and then, you know, not playing as much. You know, I mean, my whole life, and then at UCLA, I pretty much played most if not all the games so that that's a big adjustment that people say but you can't really you know prepare for that it's you just when it happens it happens and you got to just try and you know keep working keep working so you get that opportunity and, and you can you know get on that floor as much as you can i have no no qualms i know for a fact that when you get that opportunity you are going to maximize it and you certainly did when you were at UCLA, you were such a rush of adrenaline for fans watching you and Lonzo Ball and the rest of the guys and what you did in that one year in Westwood. Now, maybe this is just a dream world. Maybe this is something that happens just in the offseason during during the summertime. But what would it be like? Do you miss teaming up with Lonzo Ball? I mean, how much fun must that have been to play with him? I mean, him and everyone else there and the school in general. But playing with Lonzo was awesome, man. I mean, me and him are so um, pretty close. Um, but man, playing him was playing with him was one of the, the definitely most fun basketball experiences I've ever had. And that one year at UCLA was probably the best year of my life, basketball wise, off the court. It was just a ton of fun, and you know that's a, that's a definitely a very special place. Um, that I, I don't know if people realize it until you can experience it, but that place is awesome. And you know, playing with Lonzo and all those guys, was, it was a dream come true. And I just couldn't have um, envisioned it any better. And if you know if I had to do it again, I would do the same thing, you know, 100 times out of 100. Go to UCLA, play with those guys, um, and, and be where I am today. So I definitely don't regret anything, but, man, UCLA is definitely a very special place. That year you had such a special year, going to the Sweet 16 and, and so much talent, so much excitement. I remember that Oregon game at home and the thrill that must have been like. Do you feel like, and I know that you look back and you knew how well that team was as a talent, could that squad you were on, did they have the makings or the talent to win a national championship? Because to me, TJ, it seemed like you guys were right there. Yeah, I know we only made the Sweet 16, but I think you're right. I mean, Sweet 16, but we were also just, you know, we, we were close to being able to be Final Four, national championship, good. I mean, and I think we had the talent. We just couldn't really put it all together at the right time. Um, I mean, a little bit of nagging injuries, this, that, um, just everything didn't really go, you know, as planned, but I definitely think we underachieved because, I mean, looking back on it still to this day, I think about it, you know, quite often that we should have, I mean, should have, could have, you know, what are you going to say now? But I think we could have made it to final four at least, if not farther than won a national championship. But I mean, looking back on it, you know, and, and that's why 
I was really considering, you know, staying and trying to accomplish that. Um, and I was trying to give myself every excuse to stay because I love the place so much. But, you know, all the all the feedback I was getting was just top 20, top 20. And that's been my dream all along is being the NBA. So I just I had to take advantage of that, you know. We're going to stick with the topic of the NBA draft when we come back and get TJ's opinion on current Bruin Chris Smith in his decision to declare for the NBA draft. Was it a right move, according to TJ, or should Smith maybe benefit from sticking around and coming back for his senior year? We'll get TJ's take right after this. I'm curious to see because we just saw a Chris Smith who has one more year of eligibility and perhaps he's out there just testing the waters, the UCLA basketball player. But if you ever, and I don't think you ever got a chance to play with him at UCLA, but if you ever had a chance to maybe give him some advice based upon the experiences of the draft process that you went through, what would you say to a guy like that who has shown great spurts of greatness, but I think could also be one who would you, to get a lot out of another year at UCLA. Yeah, definitely. I mean, having, you know, been there, done that, and, you know, having, knowing what I know now about this team, specifically what, you know, Mick has done this past year with all those guys, um, they, they, could be, they could be really good this next year. And then they got Johnny Juzang. Who knows if he's going to be eligible this year or next year. Um, you know, they could really make some noise um, and, you know, perhaps make a deep run in the tournament. So, I mean, I don't know if you'd want to pass that one up because um, March Madness is special, man. It, it really is. I know a lot of guys didn't really get experience that this year, but it, it's a really special time. And, you know, unless you're getting some really good feedback, I, I, if I was him, I would want to try and stay and, and try and do something special there at UCLA because when you get that place rocking, there's nothing like it. There absolutely is nothing like it. And I think it was actually today is the year anniversary of UCLA hiring Mick Cronin and I remember on Twitter you sent out a congratulatory note and congratulating Mick Cronin on getting the UCLA job and all of us Bruins you said are are ready to get this thing going again and then you said let's get it how would you assess what he's done so far I know you've been a bit distant from the program because you have your own life and your own time in the NBA but from the small sample size that that Mick has with UCLA how would you grade his his first year I mean he's done an awesome job I mean a lot of, I think it took a little bit for a lot of the players to buy into a completely different system I think that's where you see some of the you know the early season struggles and whatnot and that definitely happens with a completely new culture new coach all that um but you know I think you see when all the guys started to buy in a little bit and that's regardless of if they had that great stretch, you know, in February and whatnot or January. Um, regardless of that, you could see the guys were buying in more. Um, and, you know, some of the guys that I talked to on the team, you know, everyone loves him. I mean, yeah. they say he's a hard coach and he's going to get after you, but, I mean, they love him. Um, so, that I mean, that's what you want as a coach. You want someone who's going to push you to be better. But, you know, if you still like him, you still, you know, if he's still cool with you and he still wants to be your friend and whatnot, I mean – what else can you ask for? He's going to push you, and he's a good dude. So what else can you really ask for? Yeah, I feel like he Mick has found a way to be your buddy, but also be your harshest critic and realize that he's not doing it because he's trying to be mean, but he has your best interest. And look, you had a great experience in Westwood with Steve Alford. You guys had a lot of success together, and you were really appreciative of him and what he taught you in that year. 
and, and unfortunately, you know, you hate to see a guy like that have to move on, but what do you think of the differences between Steve Alford and, and Mick Cronin and perhaps as coaches where they differ in their style and the way they like to operate things? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we played Mick in the second round of the tournament um, when I was at UCLA, so having played against him and whatnot, they're, they're just a definitely a different kind of um, team. He's a different kind of coach. You know, Coach Alford um, likes to get out, try and outscore you a little bit, while Mick's more of, you know, have the gritty guys, um, rebound, defend, um, do that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's definitely different styles there. Um, and, you know, it's it's not like one's better than the other and whatnot, but they're just different ways to, to go about it. And, you know, we had a lot of success, you know, with um, Coach Alford there. Um, I think we underachieved, like I said, but we still had a lot of success. Um, so, yeah, Mick's just more that guy who, you know, get after you defensively. Um, and then from there, you know, if they play defense, he's going to let you go down and, and shoot a little bit and attack and shoot some threes and run a little bit. But if you don't defend, man, that's not a spot for you. Yeah, and, and guys are learning that the hard way. And you know what? It's actually worked. Like you said, there was that early period of last season where they were trying to figure themselves out. They struggled. And then once they bought in and realized that this was all for the betterment of the team, it's amazing how the results started to come through. And and you, TJ, you are a product of, of your father, who was a great basketball player. He was your coach, continues to be such an important asset in your basketball live. And yeah, he had a, a decorated international playing career, spent 17 years in Israel where you were born. How much of his game do you see in yourself? Um, I, well, to be honest, we're, we're a little different. I think we rebound similar and whatnot, but he was you know more of that kind of that guard who takes you in the post. So I guess I got a lot of my post stuff from him, but he was, you know, a guard doing it against guards. Um, I guess it's in theory the same thing. Um, so I got a lot of my post moves and whatnot from him, te- him teaching me that. Um, but other than that, I don't think we're, we're too similar. Um, maybe our touch, you know, he gave me all that touch. He was really big on that growing up, um, building that touch from, you know, anywhere really. Um, so I'd say the post and the touch work for sure are, are the two biggest things that, you know, I got from him in his game. And your dad moved to Israel in 1982 to play basketball and certainly reading that was a tough time in that country there was the the first Lebanon war going on has he told you about the the fears of playing under those circumstances and and what he had to weather and battle through during that time absolutely yeah him him and my mom have both you know said some things I mean we lived in a spot where you know we had a bomb bunker in our yard um things like that where you know they'd shoot there'd be rockets coming over the mountains um, they have to go to the bunkers, um, things like that. You know, on a, like a, a monthly basis, you know, there'd, there'd be rockets coming over the mountains and they'd have to go to the bunkers. Um, I mean, and playing in some of those countries, you know, where the fans are pretty, you know, people talk about, you know, home court advantage here in the States, but, you know, it's a completely different story over there. You know, people throwing things at you and doing stuff like that. They really take their basketball serious. Um, and, and they home court advantage is serious, you know, when you travel to these other countries over there. Um, so he's told me a lot of stories um, about playing ball over there it seems like it was a really awesome experience and him and my mom both love it to this day and when I've been able to visit I've absolutely loved it you have and you've been very much accepting of yeah you have a lot of pride for Israel and being there would you ever utilize that opportunity to with the Olympics play for and represent that country yeah absolutely you know I've always told you know them I want to kind of get my foothold here um, before I do that but you know if and when that happens, I would definitely like to go over there and, and try and make some noise, you know, in the Olympics and the Euro Cup and the uh, um, 
the qualifying, Euro qualifying, all that, I would definitely like to go over there and make some noise at that because that place is awesome. And, you know, I even am in touch with some of the players that I played under 18 with, you know, years back. So, and you know, it's just a really special place. Also a special moment for you, it must have been being the first Israeli born to play in the NBA playoffs. What a feat that is. And you that won't be the, the last time that you see the floor in the playoffs. I wanted to bring you back to your high school days in San Diego and the scene of high school basketball and what it's like down in San Diego. Including yourself, do you have a top five, a top ten uh, of the best talent to come out of San Diego? Is that not even enough? And... Is the talent in San Diego underrated on a high school level? Um, that's tough to have, you know, a top five, top ten. I mean, so many of your guys. I mean, in the league now, you got Norman, who's really starting to play well. Another UCLA guy. Um, you know, Jared Dudley, who could have won a championship this year with the Lakers. Um, I mean, you got a lot of guys making noise. And, and, I mean, even, like, a guy like my brother, who's the leading scorer, you know, in the history of San Diego. Um, you know, he's not playing now anymore, but, I mean, he had a, a heck of a career in high school and, and in college. Um, so, I mean, you have a lot of guys. And I think definitely, I mean, I think like everywhere it has its ups and downs, but San Diego High School basketball is definitely um, getting better and better, I feel like, every year. Um, and the talent's a little bit more well-rounded. I mean, you still see some guys coming out, I mean, year after year that they're starting to produce some talent. So, I mean, it's definitely good to see. And where would you be basketball-wise without your brother, Troy? Um, I mean, him, him and my dad are definitely the two uh, – you know, definitely biggest basketball influences my in my life and biggest influences. Period. Um, I mean, he trained me a lot. He let me jump in workouts with him when he when I was you know a kid. Um, he was always you know bringing his friends over and playing when I was just a kid. Um, and you know, I think just growing up playing against older dudes all the time. And then when I got older, him always training me, playing one on one against me. Um, it was. Um, I definitely wouldn't be where I am now. That's for sure. Um, and. You know, I'm definitely forever grateful for what he's done for me, basketball-wise and, and just being as a, as a person, too. Hey, we're grateful to have you on on this little program. And, TJ, we're, we're thinking of you during this time. Obviously, we hope the NBA gets back and resumes as soon as possible because we're dying to watch you back on the court. We know you're going to continue to progress, make the Bruin fans proud, make your NBA fans proud, all those who follow you out of San Diego and Israel and, and your big fan base. We're, we're all on your side. We're, we want to see you thrive and can't thank you enough once again for uh, updating us on how you're doing and sharing some of those Bruin memories with us. Awesome, man. Appreciate you having me. Deeply appreciative for TJ Leaf and carving out some time in his day to join us here on Locked on Bruins. And I know it won't be the last time we have him on the show. What a great guy, great family. And, yeah, he's a couple years removed from playing for the Bruins, but he continues to keep tabs on what's going on and has his pulse on the program, and, and certainly you could see his pride festering up when talking about his time in Westwood. Hey, by the way, you can follow him on Twitter, LeafSquad22. That's LeafSquad22. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y, F-E-N-L-E-Y. So looking ahead to tomorrow, we've got two different podcasts coming your way. Larry Drew II spent some time in the NBA. You remember him as a Bruin. He will join us, give you an update on how he's doing. Also, Keyshawn Lucier South, the Bruin football player, will accompany us on the program. We'll hear how his preparations are coming along for the NFL draft and how he feels like he fits in 
at the next level. And then looking ahead to next week on Monday, Michael Roll will hang out with us on the show. He went to the Final Four three different years with Ben Hallen as the head coach at UCLA. And Michael was playing overseas in Italy. And then all the, the craziness that took place in that country because of coronavirus. And now that's forced him to, to head back to the United States. We'll get into it with him about what all that scene was like and having his league in, in season shut down and having to to frantically find a, a flight to get back to the United States. That and so much more with Michael Roll on Monday. Appreciate your time. Thanks again for subscribing to this podcast, telling your friends and family. And I hope this is an outlet for you as we still are trying to get through things and get back to normalcy. Hopefully lending an ear to this podcast will give you a little bit of comfort and a little bit of joy. I'm Brian Fenley. This is Locked on Bruins.